Hello, I'm Ian Madison, a fellow in the International Development Department and the producer of the Refugee Realities podcast series. In this series, students from the course on Refugees and Forced Migration here at the LSE bring us interviews with a range of people on the topic, covering the policies and politics that shape asylum to the lived experiences of refugees themselves. In this episode, Jennifer speaks to Mustafa Ali, a recent Cambridge University graduate and former refugee. Mustafa discusses his experience of leaving Afghanistan and seeking refuge in the United Kingdom as an unaccompanied minor at the age of 13 and his 10-year journey to gain his asylum status. This episode is recorded by Jennifer Elmsley. Jennifer is studying gender and international development at the LSE and working at Plan International, a feminist NGO. Her background is in humanitarian affairs, and she previously worked at the UN's Humanitarian Wing, the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. Jennifer is passionate about strengthening the UK's asylum and immigration policies. I hope you enjoy the episode. This Refugee Week, I'm sitting here with Mustafa Ali, who is a former refugee from Afghanistan, to discuss his experience in the refugee system for LSE's International Development Blog's podcast for Refugee Week. So Ali, can you give a short introduction to yourself and your uh, experience that led your family to seek refuge in this country? So my story is no different to um, six million people's story who have left Afghanistan, which is, you know, everyone knows this, the country has been at war for the last 40 years. And throughout this 40 years, I think 20% of the country that have left Afghanistan. Um, to different countries, um, some to the neighbouring countries, mostly to the neighbouring countries, and some have left for Europe, um, North America and Australia, um, simply for the shared reason of um, violence, uh, persecution, um, religious fundamentalism, terrorism, and anything that is anything to do with uh, instability and, uh, and generally the, the sense of um, uncertainty of staying in that country, which is what forced people to leave Afghanistan. And I'm just one of those six million people who have left for the same reasons. And what age were you when you left? Um, I think the, the time that I left, um, it was a normal practice for people to send their children uh, to the neighboring countries for work. So people as young as, um, sometimes as young as 12 or 13, uh, they would leave, um, uh, without their parents, um, some of them with their parents, some of them without their parents, to go and provide for the family. And some of them who can afford, who can afford they would uh, send their children to travel towards Europe, so crossing many international borders until they arrive in a safe space to uh, seek asylum. So I was 13 um, when I left. So what was your, if you remember it, what was your or your family's experience of the asylum system and how kind of difficult was it to gain asylum in this country? Um, so I came to the UK myself, uh, so I didn't come with my family. Uh, so my personal experience uh, is when I arrived here, I was 13 years old. So at 13, they, you don't go through the same process as someone who would come to this country and seek asylum when they're over 18 adults. So they would categorize me as an um, unaccompanied minor. They will take a general interview as in from, you know, just to, to get to know you, who you are, where you're coming from, where's your family and all that. Uh, but they don't dive deep into 
cross-examination and hours and hours of interview to determine whether you are a refugee or not. So what they do is, at the age of 13, they usually take you to um, some sort of shelter, uh, children's house, or they will find you foster parents for you to stay with them. And that's what happened to me. I think um, they placed me with their, um, with guardians until I was 16 and a half. And then they would place it to uh, another place called um, sort of semi-independent um, accommodation. And you stay there until you become an adult um, or you choose to study at a particular university. And if that university happens to be outside London, you have to go outside London, which was the case with me. Uh, but in terms of uh, getting a asylum and how difficult it was, uh, unfortunately, I had a very bad luck because I, I arrived in the UK in 2008. And that's when the Conservatives took over. And they're not very keen to accept uh, asylum applications as much as the Labour Party would be. I mean, I've got experiences, experience of going in and out of court, from lower tribunal to upper tribunal, even up to court of appeal uh, to fight my case. Um, overall, I would say, I don't know how representative my personal experience would be of other people, but I had to um, fight for my status for 10 years. So I came to 2008 um, and I got my status 2019 when I got some papers to be able to work end of 2019 and of course you know I think you will ask me some questions about how would it affect me how, how it had affected me during my university times and whatnot but it was constantly you know facing the threat of your application being rejected and you've sent to detention center and probably sent back to your country especially if someone who came to this country when you're very young, you know, uh, those are formative years of your life from 13. And that's when you get to know where you are, you learn the language, you learn the culture, you learn the community, you learn everything about where you live and you start to forget a lot about where you're from. Um, if you spend from 13 to 20 in this country, I think those are the years that you start to recognize yourself as a person and recognize where you are, where you belong and the language and the culture and everything you try to mold into wherever you are. And the, the mental effect of you facing the prospect of you sent back to a country that you know very little is far more than if you were 25 years old and you came to this country because you had built your identity very firmly. And if you were to send back to your country, you would have been able to integrate back into your country. But if someone who came at the very tender age in this country, it, um, it was very difficult to even think about you know, going back to Afghanistan. But, uh, you know, for 10 years, every now and then I was getting letters from the Home Office saying the case has been refused. Um, and there that, that was like every single one of those was like a shock and a desperation. That must have been um, very challenging when you were so young. Did you have any family or friends that lived in this country that were able to support you at that time? Um, yeah, I managed to over the, over the time, over many years, I tried to, uh, you know, forge sort of uh, friendships and find people from the same community from Afghanistan who would just speak the same language, um, would eat the same food, would have the same way of talking to one another, same etiquettes and whatnot, same cultural events that you would attend to. And often you would go and stay with them overnight because I was young and religious events and whatnot. But those are, you know, some of the, um, the good thing about staying in London is that, that people from every corner of the world 
And whether you like it or not, you will find that someone who um, who are of the same background as you. And over the time, yes, I, I did manage to find some people who are from the exact same place as in Afghanistan. So not just generally in Afghanistan, because Afghanistan is a very diverse country. Some people living in North Afghanistan, if they were to go to the South of Afghanistan, they would find it an alien place. They wouldn't recognize the culture, the language, the people, the way people look. So I look like this. If you go to Afghanistan, you would probably, if you go to South Afghanistan, you wouldn't find people like this. Probably some people living to the north of Afghanistan, they would uh, share more in common with people on the other side of the border with the neighboring country than some other person in the south of Afghanistan. Um, so I managed to find people in London who happened to be from the same part of Afghanistan and me, and we started to have friendships and you know, um, was attending uh, uh, events together and going places together even studying you know going to college school together and all that yeah so it was, it was it was okay it was not as grim as I thought at the very beginning when I was suffering from culture shock. What was um, your experience of learning English in the UK? I think the language of course uh, I, I wanted to study I wanted to uh, because mostly when people come to these countries or from Afghanistan they, they mostly think about working and supporting the family um, but I really wanted to, um, don't go that route, I wanted to go to, uh, go to university. And to do that, of course, I had to get good grades, you know, to be able to do A-levels, which would allow me to apply for a good university position. Um, so the first two to three years, I was rigorously focusing on my language to make sure that I managed to get my GCC exams done so that I can take some um, A-level courses. Um, I was attending after school classes and classes within between the classes, language classes to make sure that I get it done. Um, so I had, I, I worked extra hard um, to make sure that my language is up to standard to make sure that I am able to give the exams and get the grades I needed. Um, so I didn't do anything extraordinary. Um, you know, I, most of my focus was you know just going to school and focusing on 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 English language and English literature, and then which would help me with the maths or geography or other science classes. So you touched on this earlier. What was your experience of navigating your refugee status within higher education and your experience of university in general? Obviously, you went to Cambridge University. I think until um, I had turned 18, uh, the home office, they wouldn't bother you much. They wouldn't send you a lot of letters. Hey, you have to justify your stay in this country or not. Uh, but once you turn 18, you're an adult. They have to decide whether this person should stay in this country or we should send him out. Because until you're 18, I think, according to some sort of convention, a refugee convention, people of minor ages, they're not deemed to be able to take care of themselves if you were to send, it, send them back. And so they were not able to, they wouldn't, uh, I didn't have to worry about uh, being sent back to Afghanistan, even though my refugee status was not um, uh, concluded. But once I turned 18, that is, of course, when you go to university. And that is, of course, when I started receiving letters from the Home Office uh, telling me about interviews after interviews and court uh, appointments after court appointments. And that's when I had to deal with um, meeting solicitors and gathering evidence and finding volunteers to come and be witness with me from different parts of my community. And uh, that put a lot of stress. And that is exactly when I started uh, at university, at Cambridge University. You know, they do put a lot of pressure on me. Um, so juggling between these two, I have to say, was very difficult. 
um, sometimes you've got exams coming or you have to do this assignment or you have to do this presentation and that's the, a week before you just had received a letter from the home office saying that your asylum case was refused. That pretty much takes away all the appetite you had to actually do some work. And um, those are the, probably the darkest times ever. And most, mostly because the same time you have other students at university who don't have to deal about none of this. They don't have to go to, to the court to justify their stay in this country. They're just having fun. They've got their parents, you know, they go, um, they go about their lives just like any other people in this country. But for me, um, and I was also someone who wouldn't discuss these things with people. So I never said to anyone that, hey, I've got this court case and I'm not supposed to be in this country and whatnot. Uh, but I just you know, keep it quiet and just focus on what I had to do. But this uh, interruption uh, that is caused by constant uh, um, thinkings about um, even though you're at university, they don't recognize it. They still think that they have to decide whether you should stay in this country or not. Um, that did put a lot of pressure and stress on you on top of the stress of the workload that you have to do at university. Um, it was, you know, partly good experience for different reasons, but mostly bad experience, um, you know, for the, for the, for the reason that uh, I had to deal with two very difficult things at the same time. That must have been extremely stressful. Did you find that you got a lot of support from the university or faculty members or any support at all? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so a uh, couple of times, I think, uh, Rose, you know Rosanna, uh, she and uh, we also had DOS, Director of Studies. Uh, they would write letters and they would also attend I called herons. Rosanna was your tutor? She was my tutor, yeah. Um, so the, your tutor was someone at Cambridge University where you discuss all the issues that you have, you know, financially or other issues, something that you wouldn't feel comfortable talking with anyone at university. So your tutor was someone who would go to and discuss these things. And they were very, uh, they were very nice about it and they would understand uh, all the circumstances and they would make sure to support you as much as possible. Oh, they also helped me with some of the um, expenses of the whole uh, legal proceedings. Uh, so they would pay, I think they did pay a huge amount of money because at some point I didn't have status. So I wasn't able to apply for legal aid and I couldn't afford it myself to pay for my solicitor or, or the barrister, which we had hired to represent me at the tribunals. So the university did support me with that as well. Financially, yeah, they paid for the uh, for the proceedings. What's your view of where the United Kingdom could improve in terms of its treatment towards refugees, especially in the context of, as you mentioned, the Conservative government and the, the hostile environment policy by the Home Office? Yeah, I, well, I just remembered something. There was one of the court hearings we had. Um, so we're just you know presenting our points, my barrister and the representative of the Home Office or Home Secretary. And at the end, the judge would listen to all of the arguments and then he would adjourn uh, the court and then we would go in the corridor to wait until the judge makes a decision. But we, we went to the court, we just had a very casual conversation with the representative from the Home Office and we just, we were just having a normal chat as if the whole environment changed, as if we just found some friends. And he was saying, goodness, I mean, if it was during the labour time, you wouldn't even uh, have got to this stage of had your status you know, in the previous courts. Um, so I don't know how it is structured 
that that is the case for that to be the truth i felt if you are to find if someone is refugee or not that should not have anything to do with who's in power because the truth is always the truth and the facts are always the facts if someone is really facing persecution if someone is really refugee no matter who's in power they should be recognized as refugee um i don't know i'm assuming probably when one government takes over they probably have some quotas that they give out to people say hey every month or every year you can't pass this number in accepting refugees into these countries so they have to people who are decided decision makers the judges they have to every time take that number into account when they are accepting cases or refusing cases but um i think it is um unfair that someone uh someone's acceptance of their status should be based on their luck uh, of arriving in this country when labor uh, party is in power or conservative power is in power so i think you know everyone should feel safe if they are in danger in their own country they shouldn't really think about who's in power they should just be able to come here and trust that the court systems and the tribunals are sensible people and they make the right decision based on the merits of your case rather than uh pleasing the government is there anything else you'd like to discuss about your experience or any thoughts um I, I, the only thing i would say 10 years is a very long time for you to stay in a limbo and then uh, and then see if it is uh it is the case that you will be able to stay here or be deported uh, but specifically when you're going to university um it's it's very difficult to uh, study with the fear of at any time you could be sent back to the country and completely shatters your aspirations or your you know your plans that you probably would have um i i would say probably if you arrive in this country they should have some provisions where they take into account the fact that you came to this country very young so if someone is arriving in this country before the age of 14 i don't know if they should choose the threshold or 13 or 12 uh they should you know add some extra factors not just whether they are refugees or not when they want to deal with their case because if they are living in this country and if you see good prospects from them um i think they should give an extra attention to the fact that you grew up in this country and also the fact that if you were sent back to your own country would you feel home more or if you stay in this country would you feel home more because um it's like if one of the things that we said in the court is that i came here when i was very young and if you send me to afghanistan is no different to sending me to mongolia or to russia or to china because i'm as alien to those countries as i am to afghanistan I mean, that's mostly the case with most of the people who come to see this country at a very young age but my, i specifically i try to keep in contact with people from afghanistan to make sure that i i do speak my native language as much as i can but of course you know once you come to this country at a very young age it is no surprise that you will forget your own language not completely but you wouldn't be able to write in your language or read in your language as good as you can in english and that is part of your assimilation into this country and that's you know the time that you spend in this country at that with those particular years 
um, that is an extra factor that should be taken into account. I think they do take into account those, but in my case, I didn't felt at any moment that they said, oh, goodness, uh, you've, you've, you came here when you were 13 and now you're going to uh, you know, Cambridge University and you've worked very hard. And, you know, when I came here, when I couldn't speak any English, it took me five years to get into Cambridge University. So someone coming here with no English after five years of going to uh, one of the very well known universities, that was, I thought, you know, required, uh, you know, had, that you know, they had to take into, uh, they had to notice that. And I thought that they would play a role in um, deciding my case. Uh, but I didn't feel that they, they were really interested in, in, um, uh, in taking those factors into account. Um, so I think, uh, so not just your uh, asylum case, but also your personal life that needs to be uh, given more weight when they are deciding the case. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Appreciate your call. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Refugee Realities podcast series, hosted by the Department of International Development at the LSE. We have more episodes on the way, so please do stay tuned.